It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Well, this is going to be a lot of fun because my guest is four-time Grammy-nominated Austin-based singer-songwriter Ruthie Foster. She's performing in Myron's at the Smith Center February 22nd and 23rd, 7 p.m. For ticket information, go to thesmithcenter.com. For everything about Ruthie Foster, go to ruthiefoster.com, and you can follow her on X, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And Ruthie, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for Hi. having me. Absolutely a pleasure. You have your, I have to get it out of the way first because I didn't want to mess up the introduction about your appearance at the Smith Center, but you have your ninth studio album called Healing Time, which is available now. And you can uh, go to the website, as I mentioned just a moment ago. So I wanted to bring that up. And the most important question I have for you that always intrigues me because I have a very dear family friend by the name of Ruthie. How did you get the name Ruthie as opposed to Ruth or Mary or some other name? How did the Ruthie come about? Well, the uh, it's my grandmother's name. Yeah, it's uh, my grandmother's name was uh, Ruthie Deborah, and they call her Ruthie Deborah. So I ended up with uh, being the uh, one of the older uh, girls being born. Somebody had to get the name. So yeah, and I love it. I love I love the name actually. Uh, I like I, can, I like it too. It's because it's informal. It is that. That's why I like it. And you know, I call myself when I'm talking to myself here in the house, Ruth. When I'm serious. <laughs> yes, I understand. <laughs> yeah, when you have a good talking to yourself, you go, Ruth. Uh, here's the ex thing. <laughs> exactly. Are you able to separate the because you've been performing since? you were a kid. Are you able to separate the stage Ruthie Foster from the personal Ruthie Foster? Oh, yeah, there are two. Yeah, definitely. Just, you know, just like, uh, you know, this is Ruth, which is she's getting ready to go work out. Right? <laughs> just to, because I've had, you know, I've had a little bit of time down from the road. And um, I'm just trying to get myself back in shape to carry all those guitars and suitcases. Um, yeah, you know, and, you know, I have a kid, so, and she calls me Yaya. So <laughs> I have se several hats that I wear for sure. And you're able to do that. I know there are performers who, and understandably, they are so used to performing, especially on the road where you're doing one-nighters and you get used to people perceiving you a certain way. It's hard to separate out them when you get into personal and family life and, you know, you just want to relax and as you say, go work out or have a cup of coffee or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Now, Catching up with friends, all of that. Yeah. yeah. I try to use this downtime for, and I also use it to perform for um, benefits and organizations that are near and dear to my heart. So I do get a chance to finally, you know, be in this place where I can participate in my community and, uh, you know, just give my services in that way. You have um, an interesting background, and, and you've you've aimed primarily for the blues and folk music genres. 
Uh, you could do others as well, and you can do others as well. You have the ta- obviously the talent, but you focused around that. And correct me if I'm wrong, because that's that's where your love is. I was listening to one of your songs the other day, and uh, it, it's a Johnny Cash tune. At least I associated with Johnny Cash, "Ring of Fire," one of my favorites. And I listened to your rendition of it, and it takes on an entirely different complexion, entirely different meaning when you sing it which is, I think, the test of a true artist when you can take a song that's associated with someone and make it your own. And that's what I got from that, just listening to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ring, that version, well, I should say my version of Ring of Fire uh, came about one night when I was uh, I was really sick and I wasn't able to sing full voice. And uh, I sat at the piano and those are the chords. You notice the chords are even different under that uh, melody, but they really work. And um, yeah, yeah, my background in, I have a background in jazz. I've gone to school, I've studied jazz. I was, uh, I sung uh, French arias and Italian arias. I am classically trained. And I think some people, you know, folks don't know all of that about me. And I've sung for big bands. I was a big band uh, singer in front of a, a Navy band for three years, uh, a front singer for um, classics like the Quincy Jones version of Fly Me to the Moon and uh, Ella Fitzgerald, Frank Sinatra, Sarah Vaughan. I, I do have a background in uh, a few more things, a few more genres than blues and folk. But that's blues and focus where I come back to right. when I'm sitting and I'm singing by myself to myself. I've got guitars. When those come down, yeah, it keeps it really simple and it, it gives me a chance to actually write because uh, I am a songwriter too. And when I write, I start either with the guitar or the piano and it tends to lean towards gospel blues when I'm just by myself. Yeah. Yeah, you have that background in gospel as well. I, I mentioned blues and folk, but also gospel as well. There's something about gospel that just gets the blood going. I, I, it just uh, reaches you at a certain level that I, I don't think other music does. I think other music affects you in different ways. Classical music can affect can affect people depending on who who it is and what it is. But there's something about gospel that just lifts you up and uh, gets you going. Yeah, yeah gospel is. Uh... It's, yeah, it's that equalizer for me. It brings everybody into the room spiritually mm-hmm. or just insp- inspirationally. It's just something about it that is insp- inspiring for me to sing. And I will put gospel in my sets wherever I play. Usually it's just for me, but it turns out it's for the room. Everybody <laughs> everybody <gets> going. <laughs> Are you going to be having some gospel in your appearance at, and performance at the Smith Center, Myron's? Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll throw something in. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, at least inspirational. Yeah, just to lift everybody up. And I think it's just, it's important. I think that that's part of our job as uh, performers. And, you know, I think it came about for me, I've been doing this for a long time. And when you're on the road a lot, like I am, a lot of us are. It's not just me. It's my way of just touching base and feeling more grounded after a six-day, seven-day tour of in and 
out of planes and sound checks and radio promos and you know and you finally get to the stage and you you just want to feel grounded and that's what that does for me that's where it started it's also i would think a little bit of home you know you hit the nail on the head that is that yeah especially when i'm i'm not feeling quite like i'm connected to my you know to my 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 home my family my my sweet little house that wraps itself around me when I do come back to it. Yeah, it's it's home. Do you feel that, that the, I know it's tough because I've talked to many performers over the years that when they're on the road, the the, the hard part is the road part, the easy part is the stage part. You're 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 getting paid for putting up with air air travel and road travel and late check-ins to hotels and crappy food and all of that. And then you get up on stage and you forget all that for that hour, hour and a half, two hours of of performance. (laughs) That's everything. It really is. And, you know, having worked in in TV, um, I was a a camera person for a, a television station down the road here. Uh, having worked behind the camera that was the thing that the anchors would would tell me all the time you know everything's flurry 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 trying to get your story together and trying to find your way to the to the the desk but then uh once you get to that desk and the lights go on that's when they they would tell me this is where this is where i'm I'm home right yeah and it's that same feeling yeah do you get a chance to revisit some of the places you worked? And do people say, I remember when you were working here? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got to be. A, a, <laughs> I still get offers once in a while. Hey, we need a, cam- <laughs> we need a camera guy. You know? Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of sweet, too. It really it is. is. Yeah. <laughs> I get to see. Hello, Ruthie. Listen, we, ha- we need a camera person real quick here. Can you come on? <laughs> Well, I'm on the road. I'm actually in Las Vegas performing at Myron, so I can't quite make it. But maybe when I get back, and, uh, <laughs> I'll fill in for a day or two. So you've had such a varied background because you mentioned the Navy and you mentioned big band. And I know it, it's so funny. Big it, When you think about the big band music and when it started, I guess the 30s and 40s more than the 20s, but 30s and 40s for sure. Maybe a little bit of the 20s, too. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and into maybe the late 40s, early 50s. But there's something about that music that I don't think you have to be born or alive during that period of time to appreciate what that is. For you, what is that? Because you obviously love it. You fronted, as you mentioned, the big band when you were in the Navy. Mm-hmm. I, I love it for as a vocalist. Uh, a lot of great singers came out of this, this era. And um, there's something to be said about being a singer in front of a 15, 17 piece band and still be heard because it's really about phrasing. It's about finding the holes and finding where you can peek in and out of and actually add to the music. Frank Sinatra was king of of, uh, phrasing uh, in front of a, a large band. Ella Fitzgerald, the absolute supreme queen of phrasing. And uh, I believe to me, her voice was, it was an instrument. She used it like an instrument in in front of these these large bands. 
And I think it's just that. I, I get a huge kick out of great voices that know how to, uh, they know a lot about how to phrase and, uh, and sync themselves with a large band. That's a real hard thing to do. You don't just go out and just sing, like sing straight. You really have to think about the fact that you're standing in front of usually four to five saxophones, and then you've got four trombones, and you may have four to five trumpets. That's a lot of brass. You will never outsing brass. It will always be louder than you. <laughs> you, have to have, you have to have a lot of brass to sing in front of that brass. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's really about how you how you maneuver your 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 vocals in between that and how to add to that. So it's a real um, it's a real skill. That's what I love about it. It's funny you mentioned Ella Fitzgerald, and immediately in my brain, a tisket a tasket just popped in there. It's just it's so funny how you just. You don't have to think about it. There's just certain things you know from listening to her. You mentioned phrasing, too, and that's important. Sinatra always credited, among others, I believe, Mabel Mercer as teaching him how to phrase. And for our audience who may not know what exactly that is, can you explain what phrasing is from your perspective as a singer? Yeah, sure. Um, it's about it's not necessarily manipulating the, the song, but uh, changing the melody just a bit um like you've got something like um well i can use maybe i can use fly me to the moon you know i've sung it but i do sing it different every time i do sing it so it's uh, it just depends on what's behind you you may sing it fly me to the moon and let me sing among the stars or you can go fly me to the moon you know more breaks Yes. And then start it up again. Yes. And let me sing among the stars. It's just about seeing, uh, finding the melody and doing something different with it. Now, I will say, too, in my band, they 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 can't believe how I've had colds when, you know, when I get sick and I, and I have to sing above a cold, which, again, it was great having a, a a voice teacher, a classical, being classically trained, you you sing when it's time to sing, sick or not. There's a way to phrase uh, any melody so that it doesn't hurt you, and you're still singing. And you still sounds like uh, you still sound like uh, you you know you're getting through the song. And sometimes it's about taking the third of a song. You know, there's a one three five instead of singing the five. La -da -da. Well, go down to the third. And then, you know, maybe stick a five in there. So there's a way to, there's a way to, that's, that's phrasing too, but manipulating the song so that you're in your range. You stay within a safe range. In my case, when I'm sick, I tend to stay in a safe range and then I'll use phrasing to make it in interesting. Fascinating. Do, do, do you get sick often because you're on the road a lot? Or, or do you try to take care of yourself, take, eat right and take vitamin C and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I try to do all of that workout because, you know, it is a physical workout, singing, just like playing any, any instrument. Yeah, I try to take care of, care of myself. I have been sick, uh, you know, a few times 
uh, last year, um, only once or twice where I actually had to cancel because when there's nothing there, there's just nothing there. And you want to take care of yourself. You want to give yourself the time to give your body a chance to rest. You were a, a soloist in your hometown choir. So that kind of, I think, got you ready for singing in front of a big band in a way because you've got big voices behind you as a as a soloist. And <laughs> so I, I think you, and you come from a small town, right? Is it Gauze? Is it pronounced Gauze? Uh-huh. You Gauze, got it. Gauze, Texas. And does coming from a small town inform your performing view, if that makes any sense? In that, because when you're on the road, you're encountering all kinds of things. You're in big cities, medium cities, suburbs, small towns. But do you come at it from a, your, that perspective of growing up in a small town or because you were in the Navy and you traveled and you've been performing for a long time and on the road a long time that you it evens it out? It's, it's not the, the little girl from the small town in Texas. I, I kind of I tend to use both. I use a lot of my uh, my education in music, uh, meaning from being able to communicate with my band or any band uh, when it comes to the music and changing chords or something like that, to um, when it comes to just picking up the guitar and just singing. Uh, that's when I go back to my my small town sound and uh, and just think about fishing and <laughs> walking, walking those dirt roads and yeah yeah there's a little bit of all of that there's still that little girl in here she's not going anywhere no you shouldn't I just keep thinking of people who were born in a big city and they don't really have that quote-unquote, home to go to when they're on the road. Right. When they come back, they're coming back to the big city you have within you, and then in reality, a, a small town background and grounding you, as you say, and you talk about, you know, where you live now in Austin and the and the home that you have here. But coming from those roots, it seems that that's where the grounding comes from, and it, it never leaves you. True. I'm still very close to my family, and I just recently uh drove over to the country uh the 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 courthouse in in my uh hometown district to pay my taxes i actually like to drive over there because i love to drive over there and i pay my property taxes in person because it gives me a chance to say hey to some of the same folks that are still working in that building and i get a chance to get a little barbecue on the way nice go see some kinfolk, and then drive back. It's my way of touching home every year. Yeah, I try to do that. I like the part about the paying the property taxes in person because most people would go, oh, just take it out of my checking account or I'll send it in the mail or something. <laughs> but it's one of your touchstones, which is interesting. As a as a citizen, you're you're paying your taxes, but you're like you say, you're going to get some barbecue and see folks that you, you know don't see when you're on the road, and it's your way of reconnecting, and it just works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's how that works for me. So growing up, me, in that, go ahead. Sorry. No, it just it just gives me a chance to touch base with home. When you look back in terms of how you grew up, was there one person that influenced you the most in terms of your decision to perform, to write, to sing? 
and clearly mm. now to travel to do those Great things. question. One person? Or maybe more than one. Yeah, the the most of the um the women in my family, they were the driving force um when it came to just getting things done and and allowing me the chance to dream and and um even just giving me the opportunity to 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 stretch myself musically my mother and my grandmother also Ruthie but we call <laughs> we call her big mama so my yeah my big mama in particular was was a huge influence up until the the point she uh, couldn't be with us anymore. Huge, a person I would go back to when I felt, um, you know, when you get to that point when you you're just not sure what direction to go. Mm-hmm. I still remember coming back from the Navy and not sure what I wanted to do with myself, and I could sit at her feet and just pour my heart out and she'd sit with her with in that same rocker and with her hands folded and she'd listen and then just throw out some wisdom that you know I hadn't even touched on. And I think in a lot of ways I was so connected to her. I find things that she said to me coming out of my own mouth <laughs> to mm-hmm. to my daughter. Um to a lot of the younger artists that I'm running into, a lot of the young singers that I'm uh, getting a chance to know over these years. Because there are, there are some incredible women, in particular women singer-songwriters, that I'm I'm just, I'm, I just feel like, I feel like an auntie. I feel very, very close to what they're doing because I, I, I connect to what they're doing. And once in a while, I'll get a call from someone who they want that advice from me. And that's when I can instill a little Big Mama and a little Yaya and a whole lot of Ruthie. Yeah. <laughs> there is something about, uh, especially when you mentioned your grandmother, about age and wisdom, where you could sit with her and pour your heart out. And she can give you the benefit based on her experience, life experience, and just knowing things as well. But it's clearly, it's, it's hard sometimes for families to be objective and so was there somebody outside the family when you were growing up that said to you, you know, you really should pursue this talent professionally? Mm. Because families can certainly encourage you and, and maybe sometimes give false encouragement because they think that you're more talented, not you personally, but they could think one is more talented than they are because they're family. But is there was there somebody outside of your family also, maybe a teacher that looked and saw what you were doing and said, you know what? Ruthie, I think this is this is your path forward. Oh yeah, I had um, teachers throughout middle school and high school who uh, encouraged me to keep writing um, because I've I, I've been writing since I was a little girl. Encouraged me to keep writing and um, keep playing that guitar. Uh, yeah, one in particular. And I remember writing her a letter not too long ago. She was an English teacher, eighth grade English teacher. And her name was Norma Labuda. And she lives still, she lives over in Houston area. 
And I forget how I found her. I think it was social media. You know, it's a way of connecting everybody. Absolutely. She reached out and um, I found her. Uh, I found her in social media and she, she sent me her address because I said, I want to send you something. I just, and I wrote a letter to her uh, thanking her for encouraging me to, to just keep, keep pushing forward, keep writing. And um, something she wrote in my yearbook. I can't believe I'm remembering all of this right now. But it had uh, something to do with never let, never let what you do become a reminder of failure. She she was encouraging me to just push, and keep pushing, and um, you know put all I have into that because she she helped me through a lot uh, in middle school. Middle schools, you know, we you know it's not the middle school sucks for the most yeah. part for a lot. And I was bullied a lot in middle school. I was a really quiet kid, kind of nerdy. I wrote poetry all the time. I loved poetry. I loved Maya Angelou, Nikki Giovanni, Gwendolyn Brooks. I was really getting into the Black poets at that point and starting to write poems for my classmates, you know. And that was my thing. But I got picked on a lot because I, I wasn't a team player when it came to physical activity. I'd really rather just have my notebook in the corner and write. And she really helped me through all of that. First of all, giving me a little refuge, a place to be. Uh, instead of doing that, she would allow me to just come sit in her room for a while and write. I mean, she really just gave me this, she gave me the okay to be myself. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, it was the first key to being to feeling like somebody actually heard me, somebody saw me, and uh, I'm glad I got a chance to to send that letter to her and tell her how much that meant to me. Teachers are man, teachers get they go through it. Oh, they you do. Know? And, we, and we know this now. Um, well, we've always known it, but for her to take that time, and uh, all she could offer was a safe place to be. And, and that was. A, and did she respond to you when you wrote the letter? She did. She was over the moon that I even remembered her, and like, of course, I remember you. Um, yeah, she she came to one of my shows after that, uh, and so we got a chance to hug and and connect again. It was huge for me. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Before I let you go, I know you talked a lot about writing and performing, and they're two separate skill sets. Do you get the same satisfaction when you're writing songs as opposed to performing it? Or is the enjoyment just a different form on each side of that equation? You know, that is an excellent question. Um, So good. So good. Um, Performing for me almost comes from a different side of my, a different side of me, different part of the brain for me. Um, writing comes, that's a different place. It's almost personal. It's very personal for me. Um, which is why I hadn't really done, I haven't really co-written a lot as much as I kind of, I really would want to, but I am now, and I'm actually co-writing, 
the new album now. Um, and I'm really learning to enjoy that. I think it was just about finding the right person, the right people that I feel comfortable enough with and sit in the room with and share my stories. And uh, these writers are are incredible. These guys are, um, well, I'll tell you, um, Tyler Bryant and his wife, Rebecca, uh, from Larkin Poe, these guys are actually sitting down with me and we're, we're working on the next album. And I'm having such a great time. I think maybe it's the being in the room with young people too. I don't know what it is. It's that energy, you know, these guys are so quick to come up with finishing, almost finishing my sentences <laughs> and then putting that to music, right? It's so cool. And they're so connected uh, in many ways, musically and um, just wordsmiths. They really are. They really know how to put things, put that, those things together. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And another way, they're kind of bringing me back to the love of songwriting, the love of writing, period. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been four-time Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Ruthie Foster. She's performing in Myron's at the Smith Center February 22nd and 23rd at 7 p.m. For ticket information, go to thesmithcenter.com. For everything about Ruthie Foster, go to ruthiefoster.com. And you can follow her on X, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Ruthie, thanks for being on the show. You're so welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. <laughs>